his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. Welcome to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personality shaping the stories. Thanks for joining me on Special Edition. I'm Paula Dagnan. This week, we're getting closer to tax day, and we're going to be hearing from the IRS Criminal Investigation Special Agent in Charge to keep you safe from scammers on your taxes if you haven't filed them yet. We're also going to travel to Georgia. That's where we're going to get a tour of the Behavioral Health Department at Devereaux, Georgia, and find out about their children's program. Starting us off, Northeast Pennsylvania's first medical advocacy conference is coming up. With all the details, we welcome Sabrina Hannon, Medical Advocacy Program Coordinator, and she is with the Women's Resource Center, Erica Thaxton of the Victims Intervention Program, and Sarah Bodner, Director of Community Health and Aging with United Neighborhood Centers of Northeast Pennsylvania. Sabrina, if you'll start us off by telling our listeners exactly what the conference is all about. The conference is really designed for folks working in both mental and physical health. Other people would certainly find this interesting as well, but it's designed specifically for them to learn about how intimate partner violence, sexual assault, and human trafficking really have an effect on someone's immediate health and their health throughout their lifetime, as well as um, learning how to have safe interventions with patients. There may be some who say, well, maybe some of those things, but actually human trafficking in this area? Erica, is that even possible? So a common misconception is that human trafficking is mainly based out of your large cities or port cities or even big sporting and concert events. But truthfully, it happens everywhere within the United States, really, especially when it comes to forced labor and commercial sex trafficking. And especially, Erica, in the area of that you're dealing with in Pike County. Uh, Wayne and Pike County are very rural counties, and it is definitely a problem here as well. You know, typically victims are trafficked out of their own homes or right there in their local communities. And most of the time, there's already an established connection or relationship with their trafficker, you know, a uh, 
family member of sorts or a family friend or a respected community leader, that's the most common in these rural type of areas. And part of the reason why is, well, it goes undetected for so long. And Sabrina, on the other issues, again, we hear about them. We know they exist. And I guess there are some people who would say, well, by this time, you should know how to get out of that situation or how not to get into that situation. What are you seeing as far as that is concerned? In, in a perfect world, right, we, we wouldn't have these things. But unfortunately, you look at a couple of different factors. One, it's generational trauma. So someone who grew up in a household, for example, where domestic violence was what was happening, they may not know any other way of, of life, really. But also, like, anyone can become a victim or survivor of domestic violence or sexual assault. You know, those who experience it come from all walks of life, but it seems like all abusers read the same manual, like they all have the same tactics. And the thing is, they're not upfront with what they're doing. You know, they wait until they have their hooks in pretty deep until the abuse starts in whatever form that it happens to take. What made the decision behind putting this medical advocacy conference, the first one together? One of the things that I do is I run two separate task forces. They're both medical advocacy task forces, one in Lackawanna County, one in Susquehanna County. And uh, it was actually through the task force and talking with medical providers that we realized that there was really a need for a conference like this. Um, Someone had suggested it and we were doing a SANE training in fall 2021 with VIP uh, and SANE is sexual assault nurse examiners. And when we met to discuss afterwards what people had learned, what went well, um, and really got the communities, the four communities together, again, it came up this idea of like, it would be great if we had a conference. So we had two groups then who really wanted to see this happen. And from there, the partnership became clear that Women's Resource Center and Victims Intervention Program should really take this on and bring people what they were asking for, quite frankly. And Erica, what are they asking for as far as this conference is concerned, as far as knowing more? You know, at the end of the day, I think we all as humans like just assume that doctors or healthcare providers, they know everything about everything. And we often forget they are just like you and I. So the things that the common misconceptions or the myths or things that just aren't realized, it's also the same when you're dealing with medical providers. You know, just more information that these types of topics and these issues, they do most certainly exist in our everyday society. And, you know, what are better ways or what do we need to be looking for? Because at the end of the day, they want to help. They can't help without the information, you know, so bringing people together that are within the medical community with all sorts of different backgrounds to discuss and provide resources and make those connections going forward to hopefully help our local communities and populations not only be safer, but be more educated and aware around these issues. Well, talking about so many people being involved, Sabrina, I know you have other 
people that are involved in this as well. Can you give us a rundown? We were very fortunate to have many community partners on this. We've been working with Children's Advocacy Center, Kate Conklin, who is a dietitian and runs her own program, Geisinger, uh, Commonwealth School of Medicine. Geisinger is actually the ones who are providing most of the continuing education credits for those who attend United Neighborhood Centers, EMS of Northeastern Pennsylvania, who are providing the continuing education credits for uh, EMS providers and maternal health and family services as well. Now, is it too late for someone who might be hearing this because it's coming up Saturday, April 1st to uh, make a reservation? And you mentioned credits. They can find out more about that as well. Yeah, absolutely. People can still register. We've been sharing the information on both VIP and WRC's social media. So it's all there. People can still register. Uh, CEUs are included and they can just click off which ones that they want and provide the information there. And we also are providing lunch. Excellent. And when and where is it? It's Saturday, April 1st from 9 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. at Marywood University, the HMI Center. Mostly focusing on the healthcare providers, but it sounds to me like there are so many others who would benefit from this. Absolutely. Yes. Um, it's open to anyone, certainly more of a focus towards healthcare providers, again, whether mental or physical health and social workers. But it is open to absolutely anyone who would be interested, um, including students. There's actually no fee for students who are interested. So that is students who might be enrolled in area universities, colleges who are taking these kind of courses at this point in time. Yes, absolutely. All right. Anybody have any last words, last thoughts? Just that aspect of healthcare or the medical community is welcome, one and all, to come to this event. You know, there's also your soon-to-be graduating high school seniors that are taking CTE or career-type course pathways that are for allied health programs. You know, they can get in for free. EMS providers and paramedics, you know, we are also having a section um, or a presentation regarding when you first walk on to that emergency scene or if you are noticing or thinking maybe you're seeing some signs of abuse within this scene that you're called to. Um, you know, so really anybody and everybody that's involved in healthcare, we think could pull something that is very useful and everyday type of scenarios that you could encounter. Sabrina, can you give us the information as to where we can find out more? You can find out more information on our Facebook page, and that's for either Women's Resource Center of NEPA or Victims Intervention Program. It'll be on, it is on our Facebook page as well. And then we'll both be getting it up onto our websites also. Thanks once again to Sabrina Hannon, Medical Advocacy Program Coordinator, and she is with the Women's Resource Center, Erica Thaxton of Victims Intervention Program, and Sarah Bodner, Director of Community Health and Aging with United Neighborhood Centers of Northeast PA. Again, Northeast PA's first medical advocacy conference is coming up on April 1st. Now, coming up next, we're going to take a trip to Georgia. We're going to find out about a behavioral health program at Devereaux in Georgia for children. Don't go away. That's next on Special Edition. 
Welcome back to Special Edition. I'm Paula Dagnan. Next, I'm going to introduce you to Amy Waldron. She is the Clinical Director of Behavioral Health at Devereaux in Georgia. Amy is going to tell us about all the activities they have in their children's program and how they work in order to get the children back home with their families and enjoying life once again. Amy, welcome. Nice to have you here. First of all, explain your job to us. What exactly do you do? Well, I'm the clinical director at uh, Devereaux, Georgia Advanced Behavioral Health, which is a residential treatment facility where we have about 80 youth from ages 13 to uh, 21. As clinical director, I'm responsible for the uh, working or supervising or directing the therapist and the clinical therapist and the activity therapist who provide individual group and family therapy and also recreational therapy to the youth in our program. And these are youth with pretty significant emotional and behavioral challenges and sometimes intellectual challenges as well. And they've come to us for uh, residential treatment. When they do come and you know, you talk about the different things that you do and the clients that you do have. How do you get them involved? Because it would seem to me like, you know, that type of group maybe just won't quite want to be doing what you're doing, Amy. Well, you're absolutely right. A lot of times they use that kind of our program don't necessarily come willingly. They are uh, sent there by their families or they're sent there by an agency that's responsible for them. So a lot of times they are not really happy about being in residential treatment. And so you do have to uh, really work hard to engage them. You know, we're not just expecting the, the youth that we work with to, you know, come in and talk about everything they've been through or try to work through all that. And that's all that we ask of them. We we're providing other ways for them to heal. So, and that's where the recreation activity therapy comes in. So the recreation activity therapy is just one piece of a whole pie that, so to speak, that we're offering in terms of the treatment. So in other words, they, they you know, they might be, have, be participating in individual and family therapy, but also we're going to provide opportunities for them to um, have fun, so to speak, or healthy fun. A lot of times the youth that we're working with have experienced very traumatic things in their lives. And so they're coming to us with a lot of experiences that were, you know, really, really terrible, like physical, emotional, sexual abuse, maybe even sex trafficking, drug abuse. And so we really want to provide them a way to begin to heal from that and begin to really develop a way to build their life, you know, after our program, when they return to their family, they return to a community program, how can they have a life that is free from all that kind of trauma and that is more healthy and positive? The way that you introduce the therapy then, and you're not just talking um, physical therapy. I mean, as far as uh, maybe games or uh, volleyball, basketball, those types of things. You also talk about other therapies as well, correct? There's music therapy involved and there's other kind of therapies too? 
Absolutely. Um, the recreational therapy falls in kind of five categories. You've got the physical um, involvement, of course. Uh, there's spiritual. There's artistic. And then there's intellectual and social kinds of domains. So for a physical, of course, we want to um, provide opportunities for things like being on a sports team. Um, we have a lot of uh, sporting equipment and areas on our campus, such as a tennis court, a ball field, and a track. We've got a game room with, of course, the latest video games, which is really popular. We have a fishing pond um, where you can catch a, a bass or a catfish. We have a swimming pool, and then we have a fitness trail. And so um, some of the youth that we work with have never really had the experience of, say, being on a sports team, part of organized sports, or part of a club. So that's a new experience for them. And then also, of course, we know the benefits of a movement and exercise for kids in terms of just general well-being so the phys- there's the physical aspects and then the social and emotional aspects are um, uh, we provide a lot of interactive groups and activities where they can practice their social skills and practice interacting with others and getting to know people making friends we have things like dances like we just had a valentine dance on valentine's day of course where they where it was music and food and a place just to kind of hang out with uh, kids your age, and so uh, that was real, those kinds of things are really popular in terms of the social social opportunities. Um, we provide um, a non-denominational spiritual um, activities that they can be involved in, um, and then artistic activities. Uh, we have uh, um, uh, volunteers that come in and. and teach art class. Uh, We have events where they can display their art. And then, of course, as you said, music therapy. We have a certified music therapist um, on staff who provides activities such as songwriting and um, uh, analyzing lyrics from songs, music appreciation and education. Um, Some kids excel at playing musical instruments, so we can provide private tutoring in that. And then they can. There's also opportunities for them to perform music. Um, The ukuleles are popular, uh, and then the drumming is really popular on the campus in terms of musical instruments. And then we have a small recording studio where kids can go and actually say record a rap that they have uh, created, uh, put some background music to it. You know, and then actually have it recorded as a um, a file that they can share with other people or listen to just for themselves. Wow, that's a lot, Amy. <laughs> There's so much there to pick from. That's incredible. <laughs> well, that's the idea. Is we know not all kids want to play basketball, for example. So, although lots of kids do, it's really popular. But other kids are like, no more. I'm not. I'm not really into the physical stuff. I'm more artistic, or I want to do music, or uh, those kinds of things. So we really want to provide a wide. We do. We believe provide a really wide variety that can appeal to anyone. And sometimes kids don't even know what they're interested in until it's presented to them, and they're like, oh, I really enjoyed that. It may be something that they were never exposed to before they got to Devereux. One of the other things I would think that a lot of the things that you are talking about and whether it's the group activities or the other activities um, 
trust must be a very big issue with these kids. And this must all help to get trust back between them and others? Absolutely. Um, One of the biggest ways that or biggest activities we have for trust building is we have a low ropes course. Uh, It's like it's called the Challenge Ropes, R-O-P-E-S course. It's a course that's set up where you facilitate different activities with groups of kids. So there's actually specific ones designed to develop trust, problem solving within a group. You've got this problem. How do you fix it as a group? which involves, of course, trusting others. There's other uh, activities we do for that, too, in terms of just the social relationships, like how do you you learn to get along with your peers? How do you learn to ask for what you want in a way that's going to improve your chances of getting getting your needs met? Um, How do you manage intense emotions in situations that can trigger those? And all those are, I think, ways that kids learn to repair relationships. Um, A lot of them don't have a lot of experience with healthy relationships, which, of course, trust is part of a healthy relationship. So we really do try to introduce things that are going to support that and help them learn that. When it's all said and done, what's the feedback like, not only from them, but from their families? Well, we ask the kids all the time, what do you want to do uh, for fun? Uh, what do you want to do to help help yourself just learn new things and be exposed to new things? So we're always asking the kids what they want to do and what they find fun. And then uh, we try to get feedback from if we have a big event on the campus, like we might have a, a, what we call our Harvest Festival, which is a big event outside every fall where we have all kinds of, you know, festival-like things to do, like a carnival, so to speak. And we'll always ask them afterward, how did you like that? What what did you like about it? Was it fun? What was not good about it? And then we we do that with the families, too. And we typically hear the kids will tell their families, hey, we had had the Valentine dance, and I was able to do this or that. And so um, they'll share that with their families. And, you know, we find the families really want, they want their kids involved in as much of the um, as many healthy activities as possible because when they go back home, they have to fill their time. You know, with they won't it won't be like Deborah at home where every minute is filled and scheduled. Of course, they'll have more downtime that they have to fill with with healthy activities, and so that they don't maybe return to some of the things they were doing before that weren't as healthy. That is just amazing when you think about all the different activities and how there are some kids who would just take all this for granted and not even realize the inner worth structures of what other kids are actually getting out of it. Yes, I, and I think sometimes they uh, these are kids who haven't had a lot of healthy, fun, so to speak, experiences. But they also, as one of the things that we, that is a challenge, though, is that when they leave and go home, they don't have quite as much fun going on all the time. So we have to help families and kids get a plan for when they leave. Okay, you've been at Devereaux where they're very structured and there's a lot going on. So how can you recreate that and keep that going, that healthy fun or that leisure going when you're back at home or when you're back in the community? That's really important. You don't want them to go backwards. 
You want them to continue to move forward. Absolutely. And Amy, when we talk about Devereaux, of course, there are so many Devereaux locations. Now you are at the Georgia location, as in the state of. Yes, we are. Our center is located about 30 minutes north of Atlanta, suburban Atlanta. And we have a large campus where it actually looks like a little small college campus and um, where the, you know, the kids live and they go to school there. And then all this recreation, of course, is part of the campus that surrounds them. So you really try to keep them engaged and structured and busy and using pretty much everything that they do as a, as a learning opportunity and a way to heal and learn some new skills while they're with us. Well, it's certainly nice to get another perspective because, again, we've talked to our Pennsylvania Devereaux centers here and learned a lot about so many of the different things that they offer. Is there anything that we haven't touched on that you would like our listeners to know, not only about Devereaux, Georgia, but just the programs in particular or um, how people might be able to find out more if they're hearing you talk about this and say, I think I might have somebody who could benefit from that. Of course, Devereaux is, uh, has a website, a national website, and, and then, of course, websites for all the different centers, including Georgia. Um, we're on Facebook, of course, on the social media, and so that's a good way to keep up with what's going on. In fact, there was a post just this week, I think yesterday, that showed uh, some equipment that uh, actually ping- outdoor ping pong tables. Who would have thought there was a such thing as a all-weather ping pong table, right? Uh, that were donated uh, that we put like in the center of our campus because sometimes kids are outside and they're looking for some they're 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 outside in nice weather but they're looking for something to do with their hands to stay active so uh, we put a couple of ping pong tables that can stay outside year round in the middle so they can just pick up and play at any point so there was a post about that on our Facebook page so that's a good way to keep up with what's going on we do work with a lot of uh, community uh, agencies and programs that are interested in donating to, you know, and either their time through volunteer or, or money or equipment or whatever to help us enhance our program. So that's a way for people to get involved. And it's also a way for us to really enhance what we can offer because, you know, we're a nonprofit. So we're always looking for uh, ways to connect with charitable organizations to help build our programs. And that goes for all of the Devereaux centers, not just Georgia, but for all of them. And how nice is that? Everybody works together and they all have the same goals. Absolutely. Amy, it has been my pleasure to talk with you today and give us some information as far as the recreational therapy is happening at Devereaux. Any last thoughts, last words, some comments from Georgia? Just welcome everybody to come see us. We have a beautiful campus. We welcome people to come see us and give us feedback and come talk to our kids and our staff. And it's it's really been a pleasure to talk with you and about the wonderful work that we believe we're doing here for kids who are really in need. 
Thanks once again to Amy Waldron, Clinical Director of Behavioral Health at Devereaux, Georgia, and for telling us all about the children's program there. If you would like to find out more about any of the Devereaux locations, including those here in Pennsylvania, you can log on to Devereaux.org. That's D-E-V-E-R-E-U-X dot org. Now don't go away. Have you filed your income taxes yet? Well, it's not that far away. Coming up, we're going to find out how to keep tax filing season safe and away from scammers. That's next on Special Edition. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more game time. Let's go. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Welcome back to Special Edition. Before you know it, we'll be turning the calendar page. It will be April, and that means tax filing day on Tuesday, April 18th. Of course, you can always file for an extension, but no matter what, you still have to have your taxes prepared. And the scammers are out there not only trying to steal your refund, but your identity and personal information as well. IRS Criminal Investigations Special Agent in Charge, Yuri Crudy from the Philadelphia Field Office, knows what they're looking for and stay tuned the tips on how you can be protected will all be coming up next. Well, I think the, one of the biggest questions we get is, uh, what is the IRS criminal investigations and what do they do? And so I guess I can start with that first. So we are the law enforcement part of the Internal Revenue Service. As you know, the Internal, Internal Revenue Service is a really big agency within the U.S. government. And we're responsible for the taxes that come in. And so the very small portion of that IRS and the, it's, it's the criminal investigation arm is the IRS criminal investigation. So we conduct financial crime investigations, including tax fraud, narcotics trafficking, money laundering, public corruption, healthcare fraud, identity theft, and a lot more. And so we are the only federal law enforcement agency that's actually allowed to investigate violations of the Internal Revenue Code. That must be a very daunting task. Where do we start with all of this? I mean, here we are, we're in the midst of tax season and you mentioned tax preparers. Maybe we should start there. Yeah, so one of the things we recommend, especially this time of the year where everybody's trying to get their 
tax documents together and, and prepare to file their tax returns is making sure that you, you find the right tax return preparer, somebody that's professional, somebody that has a prepare tax identification number. This is somebody, everybody who files tax returns on behalf of their clients has to have a prepare tax identification number, something we call P10, in order to prepare tax returns for individuals. So this is something that individuals can ask to see before they go to somebody. You should also look for somebody that's open all year round, not somebody that opens up for a couple months, files returns, and then doesn't do anything else. And they should try to get somebody who's hopefully a CPA, certified public accountant, who's certified to do accounting. So, you know, there's a lot of things that people should do. They should do research about who they're going to. They shouldn't um, try to find somebody that's just going to promise them huge refunds while everybody else is telling them they're going to get something else. If it's too good to be true, it's too good to be true. And then one of the biggest things is that the individuals in whose name their returns are prepared, they're the ones that are responsible for the returns because it's their name and their signature. So if somebody else prepares it and they put a lot of fraudulent information and IRS either through an audit or through other ways find out that it's fraudulent, it, the person whose return is filed, that's their responsibility. So that's why they have to be very careful about what goes on their tax return. They have to make sure that, you know, that they sign it, that the return preparer signs it. So these are just a couple little things that they should do in order to make sure that they that their tax return gets filed properly. We're talking about the idea of having a tax return filed. And when you take your information to someone, a lot of people are understandably in this day standoffish about giving information. So is there any way that they can be sure that the information that they're giving is secure when you're sitting face to face with someone? A very good point to ask. So one of the things we recommend is do not provide your information via text or emails. Um, if, if you go to a return preparer, hopefully you're going to somebody that, that has a, a business, that the business is, again, opened all year round. And, you know, some of the big ones that come to mind is, you know, like H&R Block. They have physical locations that you can walk into and uh, you can see it. Yes, this is a tax return preparation place. And there's many other ones like that. And so those are reputable organizations. So but if somebody sends you a text message or an email asking for your personal information to be used for anything, be it taxes or anything else, please, please do not provide that information. We're seeing a lot of fraud with individuals contacting taxpayers and asking them for their personal identifiable information. And they use that to, to prepare false tax returns or other things. And unfortunately, sometimes people trust that. And, and a lot of the time it's called phishing scams when people email you or text you to get your uh, personal information. And uh, that's what we recommend. Do not provide that information. IRS is not going to call you and ask for that information. Only do it face to face and uh, only do it to people that you trust and you verify that they are a legitimate return preparer. Special Agent Crudy, I know that recently here in the Scranton area, we had someone who was a tax preparer and had all of the correct information. I'm assuming that people went to this person and still got ripped off. No matter where you go or no matter how careful you are, somebody always falls through the cracks. And, and unfortunately, this case is a little bit unique because uh, this individual, what they did was they, they prepared tax returns and then they showed a proper tax return to the client where everything was accurate. And then after the client left, they actually changed the information and filed a wrong tax return with the IRS. And they kept like, actually a significant portion of the refunds. I believe it's over $250,000. So again, what we recommend is 
make sure when you're signing your tax returns that those go directly into your bank account. Do not allow somebody else to collect your, your refund and then pay you the difference. And this individual also, in other cases, what they would do is they would collect the money that the individuals owed and assure them they would pay it to the IRS. Once again, we would recommend that you send the check yourself and you make it out to the IRS. Do not make it out to any individuals other than the IRS. And so that's one of the biggest things is when somebody is offering you, does your taxes and it does look professional, make sure you sign it and make sure your bank account information is on those tax returns. Because in some cases, as it happened in this case, this individual changed the tax returns after they were already prepared and filed them and then instructed the IRS to pay the money into his account and he refunded the money back to the individuals um, with the wrong amounts. So, and the, again, these are the red flags that we look for is as soon as somebody tells you that you're not going to get the refund yourself, it's going to go to somebody else. Do not allow them to file your tax return. A lot of people will go and they'll, of course, you know, we all want to save a little bit of money here and there, and they'll look at the cost of what someone is going to be charging. Again, is that any kind of a red flag? Because I know you said as far as getting exorbitant refunds back, but what about as far as paying for tax returns to be done? Absolutely. That is a very good question. So one of the biggest red flags is if you go to any tax return preparer and they tell you that it's going to cost you between, let's say, 50 to 100 to $150 to prepare a standard tax return, and you go to a return preparer that tells you they're going to charge you $1,000 to prepare the same tax return, but you're going to get a significant larger uh, amount as a refund. That's one of the biggest red flags that we see. Usually, um, w- when we see people promising huge refunds, but also charging huge amounts of fees for those refunds, that is a very big red flag because we would definitely recommend trying to go somewhere else and seeing you know, what your refund would be. But again, if somebody asks you to pay a significant amount of money, which we're seeing a lot of these people that provide fraudulent information, they're charging enormous fees in order to prepare people's tax returns. I know many people say, I don't have to go to an accountant, a CPA. I don't have to worry about that because now I can do everything online. So where does all that now go when it comes to being smart and safe? And again, as I mentioned earlier, there's some really big companies online that all they do is, is taxes. And you can go to stores and buy gift cards to, to be able to, to, to purchase these, these services. So TurboTax, for example, um, there's, there's a whole listing of them. You can go to irs.gov. And uh, there's a listing where you can e-file. And again, a lot of people, including myself, I do my own taxes. I go online and especially if somebody has a, a simple return, if they have a, you know, a job and, and they get a W-2, a lot of times people can do that themselves. They can go to irs.gov and in some cases they can prepare it you know, through irs.gov, but irs.gov is also going to provide various websites that are verified that they can use to electronically file their tax returns. And all they do is input their personal information through the, you know, through one of the links that IRS.gov provides and uh, a, a return gets prepared and it can, it can be e-filed, electronically filed through that website. But again, it should be a reputable website. It should not be somebody that texted you um, asking you for your information to prepare it. You should be the one going, especially through IRS.gov. There's a lot of information on that website and uh, you can find websites there that are trusted, that are registered with the IRS and the returns could be filed through them. Sometimes people, again, they're always concerned about getting scammed. And here it is, it's tax season, and people are now waiting for their returns to come back. And are there things that we should be watching out for as far as 
a refund, hopefully, if we're getting one coming back? One of the easiest ways to file is electronically. So tax return gets filed electronically. Usually the, the refund, if the person is supposed to get a refund, it gets issued pretty, pretty fast, hopefully within a few weeks. Now, if somebody files a paper return, that takes a little bit longer to process. So it just depends how they file their tax returns. It just depends on how busy, how busy it is at that time of the year. All right, let's switch it around now. You owe the government. And I know the um, state, the Pennsylvania Department of Revenue, had sent out a notification not too long ago about um, phony letters that people have been receiving that say final demand for payment. And again, just like emails, these look real. So what happens in that situation? Same thing here. Do not trust those types of things. One of the biggest things I recommend, if you do receive a letter, especially a letter from the IRS that says, like you mentioned, final demand, usually at the federal buildings, I know there's one in Philadelphia, there's one in Pittsburgh, in Scranton, I believe there's one as well. But you can, number one, call the 1-800 number for the IRS, but you can also go to the tax advocate center. They provide support for taxpayers to come in and they can ask any questions that they have to verify that. So one way is to call the 1-800 number for the IRS to verify that this is something that's happening. And again, another way is to walk in to the Taxpayer Advocate Center at many of the federal buildings. And again, you can probably get a listing of them through irs.gov and go there and say, hey, here's a letter that I received. They'll verify your identity and they'll say, hey, is this legit or is this something that, that is not legit? Because unfortunately, many people get scared when they get those threats. I've gotten phone calls, people claiming to be um, the IRS, unfortunately, it happens. It's, it's good that people are hearing about it, and that means they, they should be more protective of that kind of information. The IRS will never ask you to use a prepaid debit card to pay your taxes. IRS is not going to call you and take a payment over the telephone. It's something that you have to call the 800 number for the IRS or walk into a taxpayer advocate center and explain to them what you've gotten, and they can walk you through if you do actually owe any money on how to make those payments to the IRS properly. And one of the things I found interesting by the Department of Revenue information was getting a letter that says state of Pennsylvania rather than Commonwealth. That might sneak through for a lot of people. Yes. I'm I'm fortunate I'm not familiar with the state of Pennsylvania, but I'm definitely familiar with uh, the IRS notifications that people receive of of people claiming to be uh, IRS employees, including criminal investigation employees as well. We've talked about it. Many of us have heard it before. We try to get the word out, but unfortunately, somebody always ends up being a victim. And embarrassment is probably one of the biggest things that say that people will say, oh, I can't tell anybody. But what should you do if you find out that something got past you and now you're a victim? So one of the first steps I would recommend is going through irs.gov. And there's going to be information there where you can file forms explaining to exactly what happened. There's a form 3949. It's an information referral that can be also filled out and submitted to the IRS. And also, if especially if it's identity theft, if somebody went through and, and stole your identity, filed tax return in your name, and as a result, either you owe money or, or there's other things happening to you. And one of the first things we also recommend is to go to the local police department and file a police report so that you document it as soon as you found out that you were a victim that you have a police report showing that you immediately went to the authorities and reported it. Being embarrassed should not be a part of the equation, I'm guessing. Absolutely not. There's a lot of victims, unfortunately, out there. And, you know, people read about this in in the news all the time. It happens more often 
then, then it should. The, the sooner people can admit it, the sooner people can take the appropriate steps, the quicker they can fix it and make sure it doesn't happen to them again. What happens when someone files their tax return and then realizes, I made a mistake. Now what am I going to do? And that happens, believe it or not, that happens all the time. A lot of times um, there's companies that, like, for example, banks that submit a, a, an interest form a little bit later than, than they um, originally people expected, and people realize, oh, my God, I forgot to include this in my taxes. It happens. IRS has something called an am- amended tax return, and all they do is file an amended tax return where they, they fix the, the error that was made, and that is all. It's a very easy process. And, again, if you use a rep- reputable return preparer, they know exactly what to do and, and how to do it. How would you do that online? If you use one of the online services, unfortunately, with the online services, usually the amended tax returns, they have to be done by paper. Those are paper returns. Um, But once again, if you use online services, you can call the company that you use. All of them normally have 1-800 numbers and you can reach out to them and explain to them this is what happened. And they will walk you through how, how to file an amended tax return. And so signatures are very important, correct? Signatures are very important, but also using reputable return preparers is also as important, if not more important. So signatures, if you file an electronic tax return that gets filed electronically, there's no physical signature. But if you do go to a physical location and somebody asks you to, to sign a return, make sure you review it before you sign it, make sure everything looks accurate, and also make sure that the return preparer who prepared your return signs it as well as the return preparer so that if there's any questions, the IRS does know that they can reach out to this individual and find out that, yes, they're the ones that prepared it. And if there's any questions through an audit or anything else, they'll know who to reach out to regarding that audit. Let's go back just a little bit to the case that we mentioned that was involving the folks in the Scranton area. Here you have someone, and how would you go about telling anybody about, I think this person may have done this? Would they go right to you, or how would that work? So they can go to, again, as I mentioned, to irs.gov and and fill out the Form 3949. Um, they can walk into a local IRS office and, and tell them that they feel they that they may have been a victim of a crime. They can go to a police department and file a police report stating that they were a victim of a crime. Um, they can go to a local IRS criminal investigations office and do a walk-in and explain to them what happened. So there's a lot of options they can do if they find out that somebody took advantage of, of them and their financial or personal information. Special Agent Curdy, you have given us amazing information here today. But just if you could give our audience a overview of everything that you would like them to know as we go through this tax season and beyond. Just a couple things to to keep in mind for this filing season. So number one, choose the tax return preparer wisely. Look for preparers who are available year-round. Ask your tax preparer for their preparer tax identification number, which is the PTIN number that I mentioned. All paid preparers are required to have this number. Don't use ghost preparers. These are individuals who will not sign a tax return that they prepare for you. That's usually, as I mentioned, a big clue that something's not right. If somebody prepared it um, as, as your tax return preparer and they received the fee for it, they should be signing it so that if there's any, any, ever any questions, the IRS can come back and ask them questions about that tax return. So don't fall victim to tax return preparers' promises of larger refunds. Again, as I mentioned, if it's too good to be true, it probably is. All taxpayers must pay their shares of taxes. And again, do not sign blank tax returns. Make sure that whatever you're signing, it's your name on it, it's your personal tax return, you're the one that's ultimately responsible for it. After somebody prepares it, after you've had a chance to review it, only then should you be signing it. As I mentioned again, 
one of the most important things, make sure, especially in the case that we discussed, this criminal case um, in the Scranton area, make sure you're the one receiving your refund. Your refund should be deposited in your bank account only and not your tax return preparer's account. So I guess those are the most important things that I have. The IRS.gov, all the information is through, is through IRS.gov. Anything that you think we've left out? One of the biggest things I want to say is that uh, we're hiring a lot right now. So through USAjobs.gov, I mean, as you've heard, hopefully in the news, that IRS is getting a, a big increase in funding over the next few years. So IRS is going to be hiring not only for the special agent position that I do, but also a lot of the positions within IRS civil. So we have revenue agents, revenue officers, we have uh, taxpayer advocates. We have a lot of different positions within the IRS that we're hiring for right now. And again, you can access all those positions through usajobs.gov and you can apply directly through that website. Thanks once again to IRS Criminal Investigations Special Agent in Charge, Yuri Crudy from the Philadelphia Field Office. And Special Agent Crudy just wants to remind you once again, the IRS will never contact you via text message, via phone, or via email when it comes to your taxes. If you are suspicious, hang up, don't click on the link, and make a phone call. You can call 24 hours a day to get answers to your federal tax questions, 1-800-829-1040. You can also find out more information by going to the official website, www.irs.gov. They have recorded messages on all sorts of tax topics, but again, remember, you're never going to be asked any personal questions by the IRS over the phone, via text, or via email. Don't fall for them. They are scammers. And before I wrap up special edition for this week, I would just like to bring you up to date on an interview that we had here not too long ago on special edition. I had the opportunity to speak with Collaborative Autism Movement founder, Krista D'Angelo. They had their fundraiser earlier this month at Beach Mountain Lake for the Plunge for Autism event. And very happy to say they were able to raise $20,000. Congratulations to Krista and all those who were in Beach Mountain Lake to raise money for autism and to support collaborative autism movement. I'm Paula Degnan. Thank you for joining me this week on Special Edition. Thanks for listening to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personalities shaping the stories. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at penfed.org slash savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas... 
Phoenix, and Rhode Island. Jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of colors starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.